Okay, so last week we started going through the inyanim of Kivad of Aim. We didn't start the halachas yet, but we started at least the inyan and how choshev it is for a person to realize that this mitzvah is one of the most choshev mitzvahs, as we mentioned. It's one of the two mitzvahs that are mentioned in the Torah as to their reward, which is generally not mentioned. The Torah generally doesn't tell us what the reward for a mitzvah is, but over here we seem to be finding. There's an extra, extra long life that a person will be zeichet to. Is which we have to speak about. There are a lot of halachos. Not only are there halachos, there are interesting shilas that come up. And as interesting as it may be, and as chosh of the mitzvah may be as well, there are times that you don't have to listen to your parents, which is also very interesting, because as we've explained, and we started on Thursday, what's that? Very good, very good. We'll see. Well, see, we have to, before I get there, it's actually interesting. Before I talk about when you don't have to listen to your parents, I want to explain why. Because, you know, Kibbutz of Aim is one of the most chashva mitzvahs, and the reward for it is unbelievable, and the chashva shalom, the oinish, the punishment is terrible. As we saw, the major says, that just like the Torah says, if you want to increase the amount of days that you're given in this world, then Kibbutz of Aim is the mitzvah. Says the Medrash, Chas v'shalom aleinu, the other opposite way is also true. That means if a person not machabed his parents, he'll have a shorter life. We also said that if a person wants to bring the Shekhinah into his home, a person wants the Shekhinah, who doesn't want the Rabbi Shalom in the home? Rabbi said, you guys are going to get married, you're going to build your homes, you're going to have a house, you're going to have children, it's a shame, your family. You want the HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be in that family. You want the HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be mishtatev, in that Hishpacha, in that home. Everybody wants the Rabbi Shalom, everybody wants the Shekhinah with them. How do you do that? There are many ways. One of the ways... Chazal are telling us here is Kibbutz Avain. Why? Because as the Gemara tells us, Gimel Shikfin, there are three partners that make a person mother, father, and an Abayinish If you're Machabed, the parents, the two, then automatically the third Shutuf, that's the Abayinish Lailam, also wants to come into the home. Therefore, says the Medrash, if a person is Machabed, his parents, person is Machabed in the midst of Kibbutz Avain, he brings the Shechina into his home. It's an unbelievable thing. It's really amazing. And as I said, there are times that you don't have to listen to your parents. I'm going to have to explain why that's so and how that works. That will explain Be'ez Hashem as we continue. So now let's move on. Let's move on. Um, as we mentioned as well, we, can't, we have to just say for a couple of guys that weren't here. The Chayyadom says that the first step in a person realizing and have giving our chorus to the Rabbi Nishlam is Kibbut Aveim. The Chinuch also talks about it by Rechus as well. Now first we have to give thanks, HaKoros HaToyv, and understand who brought us into the world in a physical sense, that's our parents. And only then can we fully appreciate the Rebbein Yishtal. But, says the Chayodim, if a person, unfortunately, doesn't have this recognition, doesn't realize, hey, my parents are responsible for my being in this world, and continuing to be in this world, feeding me, giving me money, giving me help, me, taking me to the doctor, being up at four o'clock in the morning with a bottle of milk, this is what my parents did. When a person realizes that, then as the Chayotim says, he'll then come to some recognition of what the Rabbani Shalom does to him. But if you don't have that recognition, then as the Chayotim writes, the first thing that person goes out the window is the recognition of what the Kodesh Baruch Hu does for him. So we're dealing with the mitzvah here, which isn't just Stama Mitzvah. Right? No mitzvah is Stama Mitzvah, you're right. Every mitzvah we're going to say this is the most Chosha Mitzvah in the entire world. But Lamaisa, if you look at what Chazal are telling us in the Gemaras and the Midrashim in, 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 in Chazal, so you can see there's an unbelievable thing. In fact, we just did it in the Gemara in Elim right? We saw the difference, we saw the comparison between Kibbutz Avayim and Hatem Achabad the Rebbeinu Shalom. So now, that was the Agdama which we gave last time. I remember a fellow calls me up once. A young man calls me up. He just got a new house. He bought himself a new house. 
he needed 12 mezuzahs, you know, for, the, uh, for all the new doorways, whatever. So he, I told him to come into the house, and I showed him where to put, you know, we measured each doorway. I do that sometimes. I go to the house, and we tell them where to put each one. It's pretty simple in a normal case, but sometimes it gets a little bit complicated with archways, and you can have all sorts of interesting ways that people don't know where to put the mezuzahs. So I told him where to put mezuzahs, and he hadn't yet bought the mezuzahs because it wasn't fully ready. The house wasn't ready to move into yet. They were still painting it, but he just wanted to know where to put the mezuzahs in case it wasn't there and available for him. Then he would know where to put them up. So he says to me like this, Rabbi Avishayla. He says, my father, this is a guy telling me this, um, I hope he's not listening now. He says, my father is a cipher. And he writes mezuzahs. And he's a very nice person. And he writes very, very nice mezuzahs. But I know that the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah say that this person is meant to find somebody that writes his mezuzahs and same thing with Tefillin and Zifeto and everything else, all in your stam, who's a Yerush Someone who fears heaven, fears the Kodesh Baruch Hu. So he says to me, I don't know if my father fits into that category. That's what he said. So he wants to buy from somebody else. You know, the Shulchan the Ramah, he meant to buy from Yerush Shemaim. I want to buy from Yerush Shemaim. I don't think my father's such a Yerush Shemaim. I'd rather buy from somewhere else. So he asked me, what do I do? So I told him, there's no shy in the world. Your father's a crushy yid. Yeah, your father's a crushy yid. He's not, he's not, he knows how to write. He has smicha. He got tested on it. He's doing it correctly. He's just not on the level. That's what he explained to me. I said, then, Father, father, you should buy from him. No shy whatsoever. If your father knows that you're buying, you have an apartment, and you're gonna, when you have a new apartment, you have new mezuzahs, so you're not going to buy mezuzahs from him, then he's going to be upset. He's going to be embarrassed. He's going to be upset. There's something going to be upset inside him that he's not going to be. No, if you my son didn't trust me. Can't be. I give him a good deal, whatever it could be. And therefore, kibud of aim is a doraisa. Oh, you want a mile of a Yerushalayim? It's beautiful to have a mile of a Yerushalayim. But first realize what's the acre. Now, I wanted to say this to you for a reason. Because you guys are going to go back, you're going to sit with your parents, you know, and you've learned many things over the year or over the time that you've been here that not necessarily did you know beforehand, right? You have to know. Kedem Kol. Kibbutz is a very chashim mitzvah. It's a very severe mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. We, we saw the reward is unbelievable. Now, there are certain situations you have to know. Are we dealing with Chumrah? Are we dealing with an extra stringency? That you have to be careful. You have to weigh out the options of what to do and what comes first. It's a very, very important thing when people go back for the first time after many months or a year, after not being at home and they've learned all sorts of things, so then you have to know how to deal with it. Right, we'll talk about, for example, what happens, and this is not an example of what I'm saying now. What happens if your parents say to you on Shabbos, Lo'aleinu, Chas Shabbos, you should never have such a thing. But Lo'aleinu, Rachmol Litzlan. If your parents come to you and say, Moishala, pass me the baby wipes and it's Shabbos. You're going to have to figure out what to say to them, right? You're going to have to figure out what you're going to do at that point. What are you going to say? I mean, this is a serious matzah. No one's parents, I'm not sure anybody's parents say, ever saying such a thing in a million years. But let's say such a case ever comes up, you have to know how to deal with it. Okay. So let's start. Today and tomorrow we have to do these halachas and we have to continue a couple of other things towards the end of the week. Okay, kibbut. We've got kabbalah savicha. Um, and we've got, we've got two mitzvahs basically. There's a mitzvah of kibbutz and there's a mitzvah of mayra. The mitzvah of kibbutz means to honor them. Kabbat is to honor them. And we have another mitzvah of mayra, which means to fear the ishvimai to owe. It means to actually fear your parents. Now there are different mitzvahs over here. We explained last time, if you remember, what's the difference between kibbutz and mayra. Kibbutz is generally what you do, mayra is generally what you don't do. So let's explain what they are. Let's go through a little bit again. We can go on and on for days and days and days. But I've tried to be makatz. I'm going to try to go through the Ika halachos, which we have to know, what we don't want. We have to know in order to know how to makabit our parents, how to really become this halacha in the um, highest manner. So let's start with, um, let's start with Moira. Let's start with Moira. 
How do we fear our parents, right? So the number one, again, all of this, if you want to look it up, it's all Yeridesim and Mem in Shulchan Aruch. It's brought down in the, the Rabbi Yoni brings the common Kremis, there's Shach and Taz, Avaz Ches, and Chavetz Chaim, a couple of places, Meshubur, a couple of places. It's all over the place. I'm going to give you the Marmar Kremis as we get there, but you just should know most of this comes from Shulchan Aruch, Ramah, Shach, and everywhere in Yeridesim and Mem. So number one, Moira. How do you fear your parents? Number one, not sitting in their place. Right? If a parent has a specific seat that belongs to him or that is his at the table, on the couch, in, the, in an office, in a shul, right? these are places that you should not be sitting. This is his seat and you don't sit there. One of the reasons the post can say is because don't think you're equal to your father. Your father's not your friend. You don't sit in your father's place. It's your father's place. You have to have fear. When you fear someone, you don't sit in their place. Yes. Excellent question. If your father's coming late and he would want you to sit on that place to save his place, otherwise somebody else will take it and he'll be left in that place, then yes, you're allowed. Excellent. Good question, Avi. Beautiful. The reason for that, by the way, just to let you know, one second, is because the Gemara said, Domo we mentioned this at the beginning, the Gemara says that there was a certain goy that did not wake up his father because father was sleeping, right? So we said, that's not really kibbutz of Ahim. If your father would want you to be, w- wake him up because of shul or krishma or, or someone's coming to make a business meeting, yes, you should wake him up if you know for sure he'd want to make up. So it's the same thing over here. He would want it. In fact, the poskim do say that by a shul, if he's not going to come to that davening, he might actually prefer you to sit on that seat and not wander around the shul, rather you sit on his seat. So some of the poskim actually say that's okay. For your case, when he's not coming, he'll be late, he'd rather you sit there to save his place, for sure you can be make One second, we'll get to you in a second. If he gives you permission, then it's okay. Whether he should or not is a different shaila, because there is an Indian for a person, for a father, not to be mochel on everything and let his son do whatever he wants. But yeah, if he wants it to sit in the seat, that's fine. For example, if you've only got six places around the kitchen table, the father's not eating supper right now. He says, "Do me a favor, sit down right now and eat supper." That's fine. That that's for sure okay. If he gives you permission, then it's okay. But in a regular case, when it belongs, this is his seat, right? You go to his study, you go to his workplace, in his office. This is his seat. No one else sits there. Right? Then you don't sit on his place, right? That's number one. So that's a very important thing. Standing on the place that your father stands. Let's say your father has a specific place that he stands. By a stender, let's say. Let's say he has a stender in the corner of the room. He stands there and learns there. That's his place. So the post can say, that's okay. You know, a person's generally not... I'm going to do that to, to make himself equal unless it's an honorary place unless your father's a Rav or a Shashiva and you're standing by his place you know by the stender the front of the shul then obviously not but in the case where he happens to stand in one place because that's where he makes his phone calls or whatever then you don't have to worry so that's number one number two also included in Moira is to contradict your parents right? you have to remember both say we do this unfortunately sometimes without even thinking like we just it's like a tone of speech we're so used to doing this with our friends when we get home we have to start thinking hold on Rabbi said this is our parents over here these we're dealing with our parents who brought us into the world I mean this is a serious thing to contradict your father to contradict your mother to argue with them is wrong right in fact the boys can say if there's an arguing between two people a person shouldn't even say my father is right shouldn't say that it's included in Mary the person can bring this down why? you're on the same level as your father to say that your father's right who are you? who are you? you're the son you're not on your father's level you can't say that if you have a proof to your father obviously then you can say it uh, a child can't say to his parents ah that's not true your father comes along with the story and the Shabbos meeting he says something that happened in the news a story whatever it was you can't say that's not true you can't say that you're outrightly contradicting your parents Rabbi said we're dealing with the Nisa of Moira with your, with your parents if a person if, a, if your mother's saying over a story that happened you, can say, you can't say hey that's not how it happened don't say that you can say I heard a different version you could say it in a nice way in a positive way but not argue or contradict in that way. 
Um, if they accuse you of doing something, you shouldn't say, I did not do that. Because again, you are arguing them, you contradict them. What you can say is, I have something to defend myself, I have a reason, or whatever it may be. But again, these are subtleties, you have to realize, you're outrightly contradicting your parents. And again, think about it. Next time you have a conversation with your father, you'll think, you'll realize it's amazing how many times we actually do this without even thinking. We're not even thinking we say these things. And these are contradicting our parents. Discussing Torah. Once again, if you're discussing a Torah topic of whatever it may be, a Dvar Torah or a Dvar Haloch or whatever it is, you have to be very, very careful that not to disagree and say, hey, Dad, that's not true. Or that's Asa. You can say that I learned differently. Come show me, let's learn the Mishabura together. Or my Rebbe said something different to that. Let's see you know, if we can try and work this out. In a nice, positive manner, but not in an argumental way to prove him that he's wrong or say that he's wrong. Yeah. Again, you might have to choose the words that you use. That's all. I hear. No one's saying that you have to sit there stiff and, you know, as if you're standing in front of you know, the president. But at the end of the day, you have to win. It's Moira means to fear your father, to come along and say, ah, that's, that, that's awesome, you can't do that. Whoa! You can say it in a way that I understand. I'm not saying you have to, you know, you have to know how to do it. In a you have to know your relationship with your father also. That's definitely true. Interrupting your parent. Interrupting a parent when he's talking to you, when he's talking on the phone. Again, these are all things included in Moira, and it's got to be careful. And number three, third aloha in Moira. Is calling your parents by the name. This I think everybody knows. We don't call our parents by their first name, whether they are in the room or not present whatsoever. Oh, if people say to you, what's your father's name? So you're allowed to say your father or mother's name, but you add on, Reb or Mr. If your father's name is Moishi, you say, my father's name is Reb Moisha, or my father's name is Mr. Moishi, whatever it may be, depending on what he's like. Then you say that you cannot say your father's name, even when he's not in the room, in order to do that. you ever notice when people call you up for Naliyah, or when, you watch when they call up other people, that someone else will say his name, they'll say his name is Yankel David Ben Reb Moisha Yitzchak. That's what they do. Because you don't know, you know, call your father's name whether he's there, whether he's not there. Right? There's an even a bigger Shiloh on top of this. And again, I'm telling you things which are put on the Shulchan Aruch explicitly. I'm not coming with all the humors of nowadays of the post game. This is straight, clear, cut Shulchan Aruch. What happens if you have a friend with the same name as your father? So what do you do? Right? You're playing in the house. You, you, know, you have a chavusa. You have, you, have you, you have a roommate with the same name as your father. So the post can say, you're not allowed to call someone in the presence of your father with the same name. Unless, unless, um, some posts can generally say if he's not there, you can be Michael. But unless he's got an uncommon name. If he's got an uncommon name, then some of the posts can say, then, then for sure you have to be Mahmeh, because then it's clear you're talking to your father. Unless you change the name slightly. For example, if your father's name is, I don't know, uh, Chaimul, I mean, his name is Chaim, but they call him Chaimul, but your friend is Chaim, so then you can call him Chaim. It depends basically if it's similar or not similar, but if it's in front of him, for sure you have to be Mahmeh, and especially if it's a non-common name. Writing your father's name is Muta. You're allowed to write your father's name on an application form, or on whatever it is, the Gabba who's asking for the shul. There's no problem whatsoever. Embarrassing your parent, but you have to be very careful not to embarrass your parent. People don't realize. The things you say, the things you do, could embarrass them. Right? Your, 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 your parents want to be, you know, they, they have to be fit. And if you're going to embarrass them and do something, then it's a problem. In fact, Chazal tells us, the Gemara of the Kedushin Laman Aleph tells us very clearly that even if a parent comes over to you, spits in your face, rips your shirt, and you can't answer back. You can't embarrass your parent. You have no head towards them. You cannot go along and embarrass your parent in any way whatsoever. It's a very, very important thing. So that is basically the halachas of Moira, of fear. 
Now there's other halachas as well of kibbut. How to machabed as your parents. Again, as we saw, the halachas of moira are generally things that you're not allowed to do. You don't do. And therefore, don't do them causes the moira you're fearing your parents, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. However, there are other things which we'll have to discuss tomorrow of kibbut. How to machabed your parents in a positive way that you should machabed them that they'll feel good. And again, all the brachas are chal. All the brachas of a long life, all the brachas of the shechina coming to home are all chal. I just want to end with one last unbelievable story about Kibbutz of Aim. It really shows us how the, the Rabbani Shalom is looking after us if we look after our parents. In 1983, in 19, sorry, 1938, in 1938, just before the war, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Reichman were planning to make a huge bar mitzvah for their son Eli, known as Edward Reichman. Right, this bar mitzvah was going to be the bar mitzvah of the century. They had booked the most fanciest hall, the fanciest caterer, the photographer. Everybody was going to be there. All the people were invited, the fanciest people, the chosher people, the important people. It was going to be the affair and the bar mitzvah of the century. Everyone was looking forward to it. Everyone was excited. It was unbelievable. At one point, the Reichmans were also expecting a special guest, the Pupa Rebbe. The Pupa Rebbe used to stay in the house very often, and he even agreed to come back, especially for the Bar Mitzvah, and they were staying, and he was, the Rebbe was staying in the Reichmans' home. You can imagine the anticipation for the Bar Mitzvah, the Pupa Rebbe coming, especially for the Bar Mitzvah, and staying in their home. It was going to be an event everybody was expecting, everyone was waiting for this event. It was an amazing thing. Now, Lemaisa, like this, 1938... Not many families had their own private phone, right? It wasn't generally, most families didn't have a phone in their own home, a private telephone. But the Reichmans needed it for business reasons and communal reasons. They needed to have a telephone. A few days before the big bar mitzvah was scheduled, they received an urgent phone call. They were informed that the bar mitzvah's boy's grandfather, right? Mr. Reichman, the father of the mitzvah boys, his father was an elderly fellow, David Reichman. And he was living in a small village in Hungary. And he suffered a terrible stroke and he was unable to travel to Vienna where the Reichmans were living and making their bar mitzvah in Vienna. So we didn't know what to do. The father, bar mitzvah boy, the bar mitzvah boy, the mother, they're all like thinking, what do we do? How can we possibly make a bar mitzvah without the grandfather? Without the head of the mishpacha, Rosh mishpacha, he's the head of the mishpacha, of David Reichman. How can we do that? Here we're living in Vienna and we've got everything organized and he was living somewhere in Hungary in some little tiny little village over there by himself. He has a stroke. It's a terrible situation. He's by himself. No one's there to help him. What are we meant to do? Two days before the big bar mitzvah, the bar mitzvah boy's father decided that's it. Uh, how can I make a bar mitzvah? Yes, I'll have all the fancy people, i have the rebbe, and i have an amazing hall, and the catering, the food, and the photography, and video. Beautiful. But I haven't got my father there? I can't make a bar mitzvah. Discussed it with the bar mitzvah boy, discussed it with his wife, they agreed, no question. We're cancelling the bar mitzvah. And we're going to travel to Hungary to make the bar mitzvah together with the grandfather of the bar mitzvah boy. So they call up the hall, they call up the caterer, they call up the guests, as many as they can. And they say, I'm sorry to tell you, but we're cancelling the big simcha. And everybody you can imagine, they were waiting for this big simcha. And unfortunately, there's nothing they could do about it. And they went, they got, a, they, got a, they, got a, they got a place, and they managed to go and travel to the grandfather to Hungary. They arrived there in a little small little shtibel over there. They made a bar mitzvah, very small compared to what they were going to make. But they made it. This was all on March 12th, 1938, the same day that the Nazis in Marshamom entered Austria. Unopposed, they walked through the streets, pogroms all over the place, especially in Vienna. Sunday morning, 
Mr. Reichman decides, you know, let me go check on the home, let me check on the business, let's see what's going on. The Bermitz is finished, Baruch Hashem, it was a wonderful Shabbos, not that many people, not that much food, but it was fine, it was great, I did it with my father, he was happy. So he calls up his home, again, there's a private line in the home, one of the only homes over there in Vienna to have one, and he calls up, and the person in charge of the home, in charge of the telephone, answers the phone, the guy, and it says to Mr. Reichman, don't worry, everything's okay, everything's wonderful, a couple of, you know, a couple of guests came to the Bermitz, they didn't know, but it was cancelled, but otherwise everything's fine. So he was happy to hear that. And then he said, oh, Mr. Reichman, there's just one last thing. He said, there was actually a few interesting visitors last night. He said, visitors? What do you mean? So he paused for a moment. He said, Mr. Reichman, it was the Gestapo. A group of German agents that were coming here looking for you and the family. And when you weren't here, because everybody was in Hungary by the Bar Mitzvah, they looked pretty much upset. And then he realized what happened. They found out that the Nazis had come to round up specifically the most wealthy and affluent people in Vienna and get them first and put them on trial and send them to who knows where. And when he wasn't there, he realized that he was saved from an unbelievable thing and he stayed in, over there in Hungary. Why? Because of the mitzvah kibbutz of Aim. A clear proof, a clear, not that we need proof, but here's a clear story, clear. That the Rabbi Nishram saves a person, gives tremendous roch when a person mechabed his parents, when a person's moira his parents, and Mitzvah tomorrow will continue and finish up the halachas of, of the kibbutz part of kibbutz of Aim. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.